Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the book of Isaiah. And as I promised, we're going to be skipping some sections during this 11 chapters of uh, prophetic judgments against the surrounding nations. And we're actually skipping forward today to chapter 19, where we're going to be talking about Egypt, probably Israel's uh, original um, oppressive superpower. So we are in chapter 19, selected verses, where we read this. This message came to me concerning Egypt. Look, the Lord is advancing against Egypt, riding on a swift cloud. The idols of Egypt tremble. The hearts of the Egyptians melt with fear. I will make Egyptian fight against Egyptian, brother against brother, neighbor against neighbor, city against city, province against province. The Egyptians will lose heart, and I will confuse their plans. They will plead with their idols for wisdom and call on spirits, mediums, and those who consult the spirits of the dead. I will hand Egypt over to a hard, cruel master. A fierce king will rule them, says the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies. In that day, five of Egypt's cities will follow the Lord of heaven's armies. They will even begin to speak Hebrew, the language of Canaan. One of these cities will be Heliopolis, the city of the sun. In that day, there will be an altar to the Lord in the heart of Egypt, and there will be a monument to the Lord at its border. It will be a sign and a witness that the Lord of heaven's armies is worshipped in the land of Egypt. When the people cry to the Lord for help against those who oppress them, he will send them a savior who will rescue them. The Lord will make himself known to the Egyptians. Yes, they will know the Lord and will give their sacrifices and offerings to him. They will make a vow to the Lord and will keep it. The Lord will strike Egypt and then will bring healing. For the Egyptians will turn to the Lord and he will listen to their pleas and heal them. In that day, Egypt and Assyria will be connected by a highway. The Egyptians and Assyrians will move freely between their lands and they will both worship God. In that day, Israel will be the third, along with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth. For the Lord of heaven's armies will say, Blessed be Egypt, my people. Blessed be Assyria, the land I have made. Blessed be Israel, my special possession. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, it's a little easier to say that with this passage than with some of the others that we've uh, covered. Um, like I said, in Israel's history, Egypt was like the first superpower. We've talked about kind of Assyria and, and Babylon, but Egypt was the first. And their name is even, or that role is even immortalized in the name that the Hebrews gave to Egypt. Uh, the word for Egypt uh, could have multiple meanings, but one of those that was probably obvious to them was that it can mean double distress or misery, which is uh, how the word is used in the opening of the Book of Lamentations. So Egypt was a nation that seemed like it would be forever a curse and a source of misery to the people of Israel, something that would likely never change. But Isaiah says that what's impossible for us to even imagine is still possible for God. Isaiah foretells of this day when cities in the Egypt, there'll be cities in Egypt where they even speak Hebrew and Egyptian peoples will worship the Lord, the God of Israel. And this will begin, he says, so the people of Egypt will cry out to the Lord in their suffering and God will send them a savior who will rescue them. 
And just think about how Isaiah's original audience would have heard these words, the idea that Egypt would worship Yahweh. I mean, that's just crazy talk. Who would believe such a thing? And yet it is true. In Egypt today, there are people who read the Hebrew scriptures and worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even follow a Jewish rabbi named Jesus. Now, sadly, the numbers in Egypt are smaller than they once were. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, Islamic persecution of, of the Christians there, but there are still something like 5 million Christians in Egypt today. And with the diaspora, like there's literally up the street from me, there is a Coptic Orthodox, an e Egyptian Orthodox uh, church right up the street. And imagine how unthinkable this must have been to the people of that day listening to Isaiah. They wanted to believe God, but could they believe that God would really truly be in control of empires like Assyria and Babylon and Egypt? But God promises in the end of this chapter like that Israel will be called my people. God will refer to Egypt, excuse me, as my people. And Assyria will be called my handiwork and Israel alongside Israel, my special possession. So we're not fully there yet, We are, but we're probably further along than anyone who was alive during Isaiah's time could possibly have believed. So I, I find an incredible encouragement in that even now that, that, you know, God can turn Egypt misery into fellowship, into, into family. And I have to say that this vision here, you know, not this specific verse, but this vision of what God can do in the world is the whole reason that I you know, have given my life uh, to the church, whether professionally or on a volunteer basis, that it just seemed like the only thing really worthy of investing my time and effort that God, I could be part of what God is doing in creating this vision and making it a reality in our world. I think it's the thing that the world most needs, even on a practical level, level let alone uh, the ultimate uh, eternal and spiritual level. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in this passage and the hope that's expressed here. You know, just reflecting on the, not just this passage, but this whole part of Isaiah, there, there's a way that this section of Isaiah in our ears feel, feels really repetitive, right? It's basically Isaiah is talking about kind of this one nation or, or, or invading empire, and then the next nation, an invading empire that, you know, and it just goes on and on and on and on. And each time it says, Hey, you know, you're not, you're having your day now, but you know, your day is coming uh, and you're going to be in trouble. Um, you know, all of this, that it, it seems like, okay, okay, okay. And of course, Babylon, Egypt, whatever, they're all the same to us. You know what I mean? Like bad guys, got it. Um, but, but you can imagine how Israel would have heard all of these prophecies. And I actually feel like this week, that even just becomes more vivid, right? As as Israel again under attack, and and just has you know had just all, all just you know these generations of being surrounded by enemies, by foreign nations that want to destroy them, and that constant set uh, sense of of threat, right? And these people aren't that far away, and and, and that was true back then as well, right? That they there were just these threats all around. And so you can imagine how someone in Israel today might hear if if Isaiah, instead of going through Egypt and, and uh, Babylon and Assyria, was talking about Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran and you know all of all of these uh, organizations that that are against uh, Israel, and each one of those seems impossible and miraculous, and yet that's what God is saying is going to happen. And I, I think in that way, if we can understand 
from that perspective, the, the way that these people must be hearing this, this, these besieged, at the moment that Isaiah is writing this, these besieged people are hearing these unbelievable promises. I mean, they're just literally unbelievable <coughs> to them. Right? They, they can never possibly see a way. There's just, there is no way. And, and yet, from our vantage point, we can look back and, and that seems like no big deal. It's one of the reasons we skip through a lot of this because it's like, ugh, we all know that happened, right? And and that's sort of this, this perspective that we have. But what if God then were to say, okay, what about the people who threaten you? The people who intimidate you? And, and maybe names come in our minds, the, the people who just seem just so powerful, my, my employer or my professor, or my, my parent, whoever it is, this, this person is just like, oh, my adversary, my, my neighbor, who's just driving me up a wall, whoever it is. And we just kind of think it's impossible. Nobody can get through to them. <clears throat> I, I'll never be reconciled to them. And, and the same God who, who triumphed over empires, do you not think he can triumph over an individual? Right? Do you not think God can bring peace where, there, where there's no peace? Because it's not just that he destroyed Egypt and Assyria. In fact, I think that's one of the important things about this passage. Uh, he, he says that Egypt and Assyria will be connected by a highway. If you know where these are, you realize, of course, that road needs to go right through Israel. And, and so, and he's saying that Israel will be the third, along with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth, that in fact now they're united in a relationship. And out of that relationship is a blessing. And and I think that there is, and I think sometimes we underestimate the potential of God to heal relationships. And, and, and then God to actually make that once broken, hopeless relationship into a source of blessing, not just for those involved, but in fact, for the world, right? For others. I mean, I've told millions of times the stories about M Michelle and me and our early marriage. It just, it seemed hopeless and impossible. And yet God has used that to be a, in, I do one of the greatest sources of blessing in my life and, you know, by God's grace uh, to other people as well. And, and how many of us have a story like that? And yet how many more stories could we have if we believed that God can do miracles? Because that's what Isaiah was asking Israel to believe, that God can do miracles. <clears throat> you say, you know, now there's 5 million and it depends really who's counting, right? And I guess who they mm -hmm. think counts. Uh, but because uh, I've always heard that there's about 9 million Christians in in, uh, in Egypt these days. But again, whatever the number is. Um, either way, that's a number that's greater than the total population of Egypt. When, or at least the, you know, of, of, uh, of the part of Egypt where, where the Israelites were being held captive. That, that population was probably not 5 million people, right? And, and so more than all of the number of Egyptians that they were aware of at the time are now following a Jew, right? Following Jesus. And I think like, I mean, it's just, it's impossible to imagine. And so in, in one sense, you say, oh, it's a, you know, it's, it's a small number because of the persecution. On the other hand, that's a, truly a miracle that God could do that even there, uh, especially given all of this history. And so I think, the God who does that can do anything. That's really what I take from this from this passage. And so we don't give up hope. Just because we can't do it doesn't mean it can't be done. Yeah, it's 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 easy to to see and celebrate for people of the past. Um, 
but as you were saying, like it's it's hard to believe in the small little things that go on in our own lives, whether it's uh, a boss, a coworker, like anybody who has power. And I, I can think of one person in particular in my life that ah, it is it is a regular challenge to believe that God is going to continue to to change this person into a person who's going to be, you know, as you're saying, to be a blessing rather than uh, a curse upon other people. But John, don't give up on me yet. <laughs> Uh, you're pretty good. <laughs> You've been pretty okay in my life. Uh, in any case, yeah, it, it it is hard. And I, at the same time, I know that when I became a believer, I had uh, a close friend and a brother who both said almost exactly the same thing. Basically, uh, you were the last person I'd ever expect. That's what they, they both said to me. And my own uh, Dad said, you know, I always thought you'd just be a miserable person. I thought your future was just going to be one of misery. It's going to be Egypt, right? Like it's going to be uh, misery. But God can do incredible things. And that's the message I want to be part of. Whether I'm, I'm, I stay a pastor for the rest of my life or not, uh, I want to be part of getting that message out to be people that, that God really can do things that we think are impossible and bring blessing where we thought there was just curse. Amen to that. That's beautiful. Well, John, would you close us in prayer for this week? Yeah, I would love to. Lord, as we head into this weekend, I pray that you would give us, uh, through your spirit, the power to believe, to trust that you truly are the God who continues to do miracles. Lord, help us to believe and trust in you, to know that even when we face these uh, consequences, when we face difficult times, uh, that you will be with us and that you will sustain us. Help us to be faithful to you, not just on our own, but to draw strength from each other as we seek to bring this message forward and to bring this um, example of healed relationships, so relationships that can be a blessing. Help us to bring this into the world so that others too may worship this Jewish rabbi named Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, as we continue to hold the people of the Middle East in prayer, this actually is maybe a help for us. Remind, remembering that God can do miracles. God can make a way where there is no way. God can heal relationships that genuinely seem impossible. And so that's what I want to pray, that God would bring healing and, and use miraculous power to bring life where that seems to be dominating. So pray with me this week, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week as we continue to study God's word.